0: Hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Health and Sports Show. My name is Tom Butterfield. I'm your host. And today we're going to talk a little bit further about blood glucose levels. Now, you might be thinking blood glucose. We talked about that fairly recently. Well, It's such an important topic. It's come up in a lot of conversations recently with clients because it isn't something that's just a concern for people with diabetes. Monitoring our blood glucose levels is crucial for everyone. It's one of the highest risk factors for a number of of health issues. And, And guess what? The food that we eat impacts our blood glucose levels. But that effect that the food will have on our blood glucose levels is different for everybody. So we're gonna jump in, and we're gonna talk a bit about this because I've been doing a bit of research uh, myself, on myself, using myself as a bit of a human guinea pig, which is always fun. So for those who haven't listened to previous episodes, why is blood glucose so important? Well, consistently high blood glucose levels can lead to pretty serious health problems in all honesty. And we're not just talking diabetes here, we're including heart disease, kidney failure, and it can even go on to cause a loss of sight, blindness as well. So it's not just a minor issue, it's a major, major risk factor for a host of complications. But here's where it gets interesting, and a little bit complex, but follow me with this. The way our bodies react to food can vary wildly, can be so, so different. Research has shown that while one person might get a pretty quick blood glucose increase or a spike, as we call it, a blood glucose spike from eating a bowl of ice cream, this doesn't happen to everyone. It may well mean that the same food that spikes one person's blood glucose levels might not have the same effect on someone else's, and not just might, probably won't have the same effect on someone else's. It's a massive eye-opener and a big reason why a one-size-fits-all approach to nutrition just doesn't work. It does not work. It cannot work. So when a client has a conversation about nutrition with me and they ask for my personal opinion on on what foods they should eat and which ones they shouldn't eat, how can I honestly answer that with any real insight? How can anyone answer that question with any real insight? Because we don't know anything about that person, really. So the first step, in my opinion, is to understand how the foods we eat regularly affect their blood glucose levels that's the first step that's the awareness part of it and it amazes me that so many of my clients who have been diagnosed as having type 2 diabetes or they've been told they have pre-diabetes are not advised to check their blood glucose levels at all not just after eating they're not recommended or they're not advised to check their blood glucose levels at all. They'll go a year in between their diabetes checks without checking their blood glucose at all. They're on medication to control it, but they never measure their blood glucose levels. It just seems bonkers to me. It makes no sense whatsoever. The saying what we measure we can manage, in my opinion, has never been more applicable than here. Because type 2 diabetes is, for the vast majority of us, it's a lifestyle disease, isn't it? Which means that our lifestyle, our lifestyle being the things that we consistently do day in and day out, have caused this diabetes type 2 to happen. So giving us medication and providing no advice on how we can change our lifestyle for the better just sounds like a backwards way of dealing with it, doesn't it? Because it just seems to me that we're coming up against our first problem. It's passive sick care versus active healthcare. We're happy to keep people sick by putting them on medication rather than actively encourage people to take control of their life and make healthy changes that will make them better. Because if we're not willing to accept that what we're doing day in, day out is harming our health, and that in order to change that, we're going to have to change something and put some effort in to form new habits, we end up being the sort of person who says things like, well, you know, what should I expect at my age? <laughs> and they might just be turning 60. You know, personally, I expect to be running around and keeping up with those in their 40s when I'm in my 60s. Because time will only work against us if we consistently make decisions that harm our health. Has anyone noticed what happens when we go to the gym consistently for a few months? You start to notice improvements, don't you? Well, if we can start to get a hold on what foods are causing our blood glucose levels to spike, then we can start to manage our type 2 diabetes better. In a lot of cases, I've actually heard of people reversing it entirely through lifestyle changes. They reversed a lifestyle disease by making positive lifestyle changes. Who knew? huh? <laughs> See how much sense that makes. Because my philosophy is... Before you start changing things, we need to know where we are right now. By doing that, we can measure the changes, positive or negative, that have been made by whatever intervention that we've put into place. So for example, to answer the question, has my blood glucose levels changed since I reduced the amount of bread I eat from eight slices to two slices each day? How can I accurately know the answer if I have no idea what my blood glucose levels were in the first place? It's impossible, isn't it? Because so I've got no starting point. So I end up with an answer at the end, but I don't know whether it's got better, got worse or stayed the same. So I decided this is where I use myself as the human guinea pig. I decided to use a continuous glucose monitor or a CGM. You might have seen them advertised for companies like Zoe, for example, there's been Davina McCall has had one of these uh, little things in the back of her arm and Stephen Bartlett from Diary of a CEO as well. He's had one of these little sensors on the back of his arm. Uh, they've been recruited to uh, push the Zoe program, which looks very thorough and really, really interesting, by the way. I'm certainly not knocking it. The only drawback is maybe it's a little bit pricey for some people, but then you could also counter argue that by saying, well, how much is your health worth to you? Because you know, we are going to miss that when it goes. Uh, And we generally pay anything we had in order to get it back. So we maybe need to have a little bit of perspective and maybe look at what we're spending money on and how we're spending it and how much we actually value our health. But I came across a company called uh, Libre, uh, spelled L-I-B-R-E. They do a free two-week trial of their CGM, their continuous glucose monitor. So I signed up and it wasn't too tricky. It was a little bit clunky at times trying to get through their website. It wasn't brilliant, I must say. And I tried their, their monitor so that I could let you know whether it was worth you doing the same. Uh, I'm not a diabetic, and I'm not a pre-diabetic, and nor do I want to be, to be honest. Uh, therefore, for me prevention was my main motivation. I get a bit sleepy after eating at times, and I wondered whether this could be linked to the type of foods I was eating, you know, from a sugar crash, for example. So something that spiked my uh, blood glucose quite high. And then you get that big release of insulin, which then causes you to get a bit sleepy and tired afterwards. Just as a general backstory, I tended to feel really tired after eating bread, especially Uh, normal bread so I call normal bread uh, non-gluten-free stuff so all normal bread is the stuff that you usually get the lovely spongy beautifully soft bread Uh, whereas gluten-free bread is still a little bit behind the times (laughs) and uh, certainly the mass-produced stuff anyway and it's either about the size of a postage stamp and tastes quite good or it's a little bit cardboardy and not so great but doing making that change has actually made a huge difference and i eat gluten-free food in general because i now get less drowsy and less zombied uh, during the day uh, after eating especially and i actually recover better from exercise as well just as a, as a little footnote there but i wanted to see with this cgm i wanted to see how my body reacted to the types of food i was eating uh, Fortunately for me, it was it was good news. I stayed within the target blood glucose zone for 99% of the time for the two-week trial period, but I did get some time where I was slightly outside of the target zone, slightly above it, never below it, but above it. After I ate certain foods, and I'll just list them off for you now. Number one will be no great surprise to anyone. It was cake. It was my mother-in-law's uh, carrot cake, in fact, which is divine. It was very, very nice. I tested it multiple times. (laughs) And I can tell you that it spiked each time. So that was no surprise. Am I going to give up cake? Probably not, because it's nice. But I'm going to limit it. And maybe after I've eaten a bit of cake, I then go for a walk in order to uh, lessen that glucose spike. So there are things you can do. You could eat cake, but you could maybe limit the amount and also add in a bit of light exercise afterwards to enable your body to use up some of that glucose and it not all gets stored the second food diet went out with some friends to a Chinese restaurant and I had some sweet and sour chicken and that gave me the highest reading of all Uh, that really really quickly spiked my blood glucose high so I had some uh, sweet and sour chicken I had that with some rice and yeah uh, off to the moon with that one wasn't too high it went up to about 11.4 so it wasn't super super high or anything like that and it did come down pretty quickly which is always a good sign and the third one was a bit of a surprise actually because it wasn't particularly sweet not like the sweet and sour chicken it was a traditional ramen dish but the noodles were wheat noodles so but that went up pretty high but did come down relatively quick too and a fourth food were oat cakes uh, gluten-free oat cakes I had and I was rushing around a bit, went supermarket shopping, had to get back real quick for a Zoom call to, to get onto. And I had about five minutes. So I literally grabbed a pack of these five uh, oat cakes and bought them into work and just sat and, and munched those. Not not very big ones, but my blood glucose went over uh, 10. So it was above the, uh, the safety zone threshold. So that was interesting because quite often we think of blood glucose being uh, increased by things like cake, sweet and sour chicken, that sort of stuff, anything that tastes sweet. But of course, anything that's a carbohydrate gets broken down into glucose and that glucose is going to go into your bloodstream. So it's going to cause uh, an increase to your blood glucose levels. And then we had some foods that surprisingly didn't cause a spike. Now, the main reason why I got this CGM was because I was pretty sure that my breakfast choice was causing or potentially causing my blood glucose to go to the moon right so especially in the winter i like to have a big nice comforting bowl of porridge okay lovely oats milk like i said i thought that would send it to the moon but it barely shifted above 8.5 so i was pretty neatly within that safety zone all the time Now, I do put a lot of other stuff in it. I have hazelnuts, almonds, Brazil nuts, uh, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds. I put some raisins in there, maybe a few cranberries as well. If I'm feeling very lavish, (laughs) there'll be a big scoop of peanut butter goes in. Crunchy peanut butter. Not that I I don't mind smooth either, but I like crunchy stuff. And also put half a teaspoon of cacao powder in there as well. So no, it's not your traditional porridge, but it is absolutely delicious and it Definitely keeps me going till lunch. And the second food, which I don't know whether this is a good thing or not, <laughs> was peanut M&Ms. <laughs> uh, I love them. I really do like a peanut M&M. But I, I think, to be honest with you, it's chocolate and nuts. You know, nutty chocolate is my thing. Uh, so I just need to find an alternative that doesn't have the toxic bright coloured shell on it. Uh, that part I could definitely do without. But anything which has got peanuts, hazelnuts, chocolate, Ideally, dark chocolate, to be honest with you, are my thing. So I was a bit disappointed that the peanut M&Ms didn't cause as big a uh, a spike as I was kind of hoping. But what I learned was that my blood glucose sort of bobs along around between sort of 5.5 and 6.5 most of the day, which is well within the safe zone, which was great. I was really pleased with that. And when I do get a large spike in my blood glucose, my body is very efficient at removing it and bringing those levels down just as quickly as it went up. If I was shown any signs of pre-diabetes, then it would have taken much longer for my body to react and remove the glucose from my blood and then get it into the cells. I found that eating protein and fats meant that my blood glucose levels barely changed. They just stayed real, real steady. Therefore, in the future, when I do this type of test again, because I will do this again, in order to see what's changed over time, because how I am now is not going to be where I am in, in a year or two years or five years or 10 years. When I do it again, if I was to find that my blood glucose was sitting at a higher baseline than now, I'd know that I need to switch my nutrition habits to be higher in protein and fats whilst keeping my carbohydrate intake to a minimum. And some people could argue that that's a good thing to do now, but I think you need to test and find where you are first before you make these types of switches, because then you can match up how you feel after eating with what the numbers are showing you. And more than likely, how you feel is matched by those numbers. But I think it just gives you that extra bit of certainty and confidence in what you're feeling because it's matched up with something that you don't have any conscious control over. So I've put my blood glucose readings into a file, and I've put them into the show notes for you to have a look at if you're interested. But it just shows I'll try and put some pointers on when I ate some cake and when I had my (laughs) uh, sweet and sour chicken and the ramen and and that sort of thing. Uh, Because maybe you can compare them to your own. Maybe you've got a CGM that you use. And you can have a look and see, you know, you're not sure if you're pre-diabetic or you are pre-diabetic or you know you're diabetic. And you can have a look at the difference between someone who's got diabetes, maybe yourself, and someone like myself who who hasn't got that yet. So remember, you don't have to be diabetic to use one of these blood glucose monitors. You could do it where you just do a finger prick test after every meal. So you might do it an hour after you've, you've eaten and have a look. But I actually found that if I would tested it two hours after eating, then I would have missed my spike and I wouldn't have been aware of how much my blood glucose had gone up and come down because it moved so quickly. So I think the CGM, the continuous glucose monitor is the best way to go because then you get a real time idea of how your body is is, uh, reacting to it. So I'll put a link into the show notes uh, for Libre and, and where you can find the two week free trial so just have a click on there go through the process it is a little bit clunky sometimes the website or maybe that's just me being uh, pretty useless with uh, with using it feel free to get in contact with us you know leave a review uh, go on to uh, youtube and find one of our videos and just pop a comment in there and uh, maybe we can we can do something to uh, to help you out but thank you for listening Please do follow our podcast because and if you're someone that uses a CGM or if you're someone who has pre-diabetes or type 2 diabetes and you have some questions or you've got some stories or some advice you'd like to share with uh, myself or with the other listeners, then it'd be great to hear from you. Nobody ever made massive progress on their own. It's good to feel that you've got a community of people around you who can help. And we certainly want to be part of that community. You know, every episode that we release, I hope that it just gives you something that's going to help you improve by that little bit of a 1%, you know, increase that chance of living a healthier, happier life by 1%. Because if we can keep compounding those over the weeks, over the months, over the years, then you'll probably end up in a place that you never imagined was possible. So thank you for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode. See you soon.